Hey, hey. So, to Kara Allen, we finally got you on the podcast. We have talked behind the scenes about this for so long, and this has been Shaquana's dream to have you um, yes. on the show. And when this new book, um, Needful, am I saying it right? Nor Nor came yep. out. It was like before we we don't believe in just saying, okay, we're gonna have this on the podcast. We have to read it first. We have to vet it. Mm-hmm. We gotta vet it. We have we to vet, vet it, right? Right. Shaquana was like, mm. We talking about this book. We go. Oh, we got to bet nothing, baby. We already know. We already know what it's gonna be, baby. We already know. We ain't got to bet nothing. We ain't got to read nothing. It's gonna be. It's gonna be fine. Oh, it wow. dropped like at midnight, and she put it in the link. She was like, "It's live. Like go." <laughs> yeah, so it's been exciting. And just I I have enjoyed watching Shaquana's excitement around it. Like we're all excited because, like we told you before, we met because of one of your books. But Shaquana has really it's just it's I'm just happy because she's so happy. And I'm (laughs) (laughs) that's our girl because I'm gonna tell y'all why I love Takira Allen so much. But first of all, before I get into that, let me do a good introduction. So the lady who brought us, the author, the writer who brought us Denny, okay, y'all, D-Rock, okay? D-Rock. Denashe. Listen, who brought <laughs> me dice, mm. you know, who brought me dice? <laughs> who brought us Mavi and all of the amazing, and the women, we, we be discounting these women, y'all. We just be throwing them. It's all right. I get it, but I, yeah, <laughs> the girls don't get no love. Well, they don't be getting no love. At but all. everybody, all of these amazing stories that she has brought to our homes, our hearts, and to our families. Because I be talking mm-hmm. to my husband about these people. He know he got competition out there. And the Mystic Ellen is here to talk to us tonight, child. Let her know that we love her. Yes. So much because for one, y'all know I like the hood shit. So I be reading all the where the hood niggas at. And don't nobody write them like she write them. Like, you know, they all, you Not know, they be, hood, hood, they be hood, but they be, they have this certain kind of, I don't know, just Didn't like that, swag, that suaveness that don't mm-hmm. nobody write them like she do. Like, and if you no, gonna you, book, you could write a, you could write a man that know how to love a woman. Mm-hmm. You know how to write a man who knows how to love a woman. But what I love about, um, your writing is that every one of your books, like if I am reading your books, I cannot tell that you wrote this book or that you wrote that. Mm-hmm. Like every book has its own personality. Some mm-hmm. people, you can read their style and you can say, I can tell that's a, right. you know, this person book or mm-hmm. yeah, this, is a this person book. And that's okay. Cause I, I like that. I like different style. I like those styles, but yeah. your books all have a different personality. Like it's, totally different from this it's like a life of its own it's it's like no book is alike and so your style I don't know it's like you like Janet Jackson she always leave and then she come back and reinvent herself and she (laughs) Mm -hmm. somebody totally different you reinvent every time and I think that is so dope that is uh, one of the best compliments I've ever received thank you (laughs) yeah what I love about your books is the realness the rawness 
I mean, it's reality. It's nothing fake. It's nothing imaginary. It's nothing in some type of whimsical fantasy land. It's reality, you know. Thank you. Then he locked a nigga in that room was reality. He brought me back. Because I was in love until that point. And I was like, you know what, Nika? You got that. Yeah. I'm going to let you have that one. And she yeah. to say, wait a minute, sir. Yeah. Oh, yes. About yes. you committing suicide because of bullying is real. Mm -hmm. kids are really killing themselves yeah your own family members be hating on you yes be the main ones backstabbing sleeping with your hood you know your but it be that storytelling like everybody Mm -hmm. can't tell a story like we finna get into this story that she just (laughs) wrote everybody don't tell a story like she tell a story so you get all of that but you get it written so well so Mm -hmm. we gonna get into the book but before we do i want to ask you some questions uh, so our first question is when did you fall in love with reading writing like what was your introduction into this um uh, two different times so i i fell in love with reading very early um i've been reading since i was a little girl I used to sneak my stepmother Stephen King novels when I was really, really little. So I think that that's what really got me to be a huge horror fan. Um, but I always love to read. Um, I have a lot of brothers and sisters, but they're older than me. So I kind of had that only child lifestyle where I spent a lot of time mm-hmm. in my room. And um, I mean, everything, you know, even like those R.L. Stein Fear Street books, all of that when I was little. Um, and then I, when I was in high school, I read Fly Girl. I borrowed my friend's Fly Girl. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, like, what is this? This is, you know, like, and I was hooked. Um, and I think after that came The Coldest Winter. Um, mm-hmm. And then True to the Game. Um, mm-hmm. and, and it just kept, I was just like, I was just wrapped up in it. And then when I read White Lines by Tracy Brown, uh, rest in peace to Tracy Brown. Uh, she has always been a huge influence to me. Um, when I read White Lines, I said, okay, this this is what I want to do because yeah. she did the books I loved, the urban, but she had a love story going on in there. And that was the first time. I mean, the other ones had it a little bit, but that was the first time that it really got, you know, deep into the details of it. And um, I just, I fell in love with that aspect. So in high school, I started writing Thicker Than Water for fun. Um, okay. I think that it was going to be my career. I was one of those people I didn't know what, what I was going to do in my life. I tried literally everything. Um, and that's when I fell in love with writing secretly for myself. It became, you know, just something that um, I used to get out a lot that I kept inside. I'm a I'm a private person, kind of a quiet person. So I use my writing to express a lot of my feelings and frustrations and desires, mm-hmm. everything. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Awesome. so did anything change in Thicker Than Water from high school versus to when you published it? Yes. Or did the book stay the same? Um, well, you know what? For a while, it sat there. So I would say I kept, I had that beginning for a while. Um, but when I picked it back up, I did, I went back and, you know, had an outline and, and, and finessed it. It was so, even still after it was done, 
the rawest thing I've ever written, right? Because mm. no expectations. I didn't care. I didn't think anybody would read it. I didn't care who read it. So it was no pressure. Mm. So I right, just, that right. book moved so fast. It was just crazy. It was like, whatever was coming to my head, I'm like, you know what? While I'm right, you know what? Yeah, she's gonna she's gonna be messing with her best friend's man. Like, like it was just like no thought Girl, to and the way, but the way you wrote that, <laughs> the way you mm-hmm. wrote that, and the way that man commanded her, mm-hmm. like <laughs> girl, <laughs> that was okay, that y'all. Was, so I got two messages. I got two messages, y'all. And they said, Y'all gotta do the introduction. When I'm excited like this it all pumped up I'm like, I was wondering I'm like, I mean, the introduction. so listen and plus we got on a little early and we introduced ourselves to her so I feel like we already did but we gonna do it y'all I'm Shaquana I'm LaCorey and I'm Patrice and we are your hosts of the Black Girl Book Club podcast. The Black Girl Book Club Black podcast. podcast. The Black Girl Book Club podcast. Hey. hey. I love it. So my next question, my next question is, why is it important to you to write our stories? Why is it important to you to write Black love? Oh, Black well, literature. I mean, I, I'm never, I, I can say. I never say never, but I will say never. I will never do anything else. Um, we deserve it, um, especially Black women. Yeah. I feel like um, there's so much depicted in Black people in the media. Um, and, and not saying we don't have other things going on with us, but you know, a lot of our stories are just centered around pain and struggle. And, mm-hmm. and as you know, I put that stuff in my book because it's a part of real life, but we also fall in love we also love each other and i think that it's important that people know that and see that and that we as black women have something that we can escape to and relate to you know and i think a lot of times you know especially when i was younger you're picking up these books and it's like okay just like it doesn't feel like me it doesn't feel if okay it's nice and i'm watching you know this blonde girl and this white guy kissing love and falling up, but it's like, it doesn't feel like me. And, and, you know, in your mind, you start to think, well, does it happen for me? So I think right. that, that we make the content that reflects real life. Cause I see people and know people that fall in love every day. Um, so I think it's important that those stories come out. And you write it raw and you write it mm-hmm. real like you and, I mean because you scrub that thing down to the bare bones sometimes and and unfiltered just, but you know what but that's that's realistic I mean and that's mm-hmm. what we see in um needful we see it just stripped down to the barest okay I'm gonna let you have that I'm gonna let you have that I'm gonna let you have that I'm gonna I know where everybody's already just by the facial expressions and every I know where everybody thinks already. Let's go. I was gonna get ready to say if it was up to me, this entire discussion would be about Dice Jones, but tonight is about the needle not today. Not today. It's about Not today. I know she didn't been in your inbox and talk to you about them. So we on to the need. So we gonna get into that tonight, and we gonna talk about Needful Nor, your most recent book. It was 
so freaking good. Last week we talked about part one, so we're not gonna go into that. If you have not read all of that, go on back and read it. But mm-hmm. I'm gonna start off by asking you a few questions about the book. So we know what needy means to Dorian. We know, you know, mm-hmm. she needed him, he felt needed, da 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 da. But is there any other meanings to needy to you? Like, what does needy mean? Like, when you were writing, when you were feeling, when needy was coming up and he was calling her needy, what was going on with you? What do you feel like needy is? Um, well, I think that um, the, the name needy, as well as the title, um, I think that on the surface, you're looking at it as Noor being the needy one, right? He's the needy one. Right. But in reality, I think that Dorian is very needy of Noor. I think even mm-hmm. more. And I think that um, I, it was important that I put in there when they had that conversation in the hotel. And um, she says, so I wasn't the only needy one. And he says, no, mm-hmm. I think that it was important that you see, honestly, throughout the whole book, so many people needed her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, Mm. I feel like her mother needed her for her own um, struggles and demons that she was going through. She needed her to project that anger onto. Um, I feel like obviously um, Stoney, you know, had his needs of what he felt he needed her Her for. Her brother needed her. Right. Like, I feel like throughout her life, um, even Roz, you know, even the people that they may have had the best intentions but I just wanted to show kind of the human nature of dynamics of relationships with people that mm. a lot of times the relationships with people are based on you needing someone for something for yourself mm. and what that person can provide for you mm. and how they make you feel at the time. And I think that that's a, a big part of how we end up falling in love and, and gaining friendships with people is basically what can they do for me how they make me feel better right you make you meet a friend and it's like oh, I want to be around this person because they make me feel good about myself they make me feel mm-hmm. happy they have good energy you know so I think that um she yes was needy on the surface and I think a lot of people got really annoyed by that they were like oh she's so needy she's so whiny she's so but in reality I think a lot of people needed her more mm-hmm. and when she was needy and whiny Dorian needed her to be that because his wife was such a force and she was so strong. She was such the and, most bitch. And she darn near like emasculated him from time mm-hmm. to time, but he needed to feel. And so she was what he needed her to mm-hmm. be. Yeah. She wasn't weak. No. Wow. So I hadn't thought about that. I hadn't, I wasn't getting it like that. But I'm gonna bring this shit full circle for you. That, that make full, that make a lot of sense. <laughs> that make a lot of sense. <laughs> all users, right? They were. We're all users. Like we are too sometimes, you know, like mm-hmm. we, we use our kids for certain things. Like, you know, you and you brought that up in um the vow when you when Denny was saying what he gets from his daughter, he gets happiness from her, you know, mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. So we're all kind of users. So we made her the the bad person, the villain, and everybody was picking off, you know, get pulling from her as well, right? Mm-hmm. Um, even if you look at, you know, how Emmeline, how Emmeline treated her, I actually pulled from a lot of um, 
women I know with that strong personality and not say nothing's wrong with a strong personality, but I mean, I know some women that have um, people around them that they like, they need those people to make them feel more important. They need mm-hmm. them, find them, you know, how much better they, they are. They need to feel validated. So it, it comes off like, okay, she's such a good woman and she's such a good friend. I'm not saying she wasn't a good woman, but she needed her too. She needed mm. that, I think in her weak state. Mm-hmm. That superiority. Right, now I have somebody that's looking up to me that I'm better than, and I can keep kind of reminding her of that. You know, mm-hmm. jabs at times, so. Can I ask you a question about that though? Was, when you wrote this, did was Emmeline attracted, even though she was sick and probably couldn't be really sexually active, but was she attracted to her in a way? I am so mm-hmm. ask that. I put, <laughs> I put that little hidden thing under there and, I, and it's certain things that I like to leave to the mind. And I know it frustrates my readers a lot, but I always felt like some of my favorite authors do it, right? Where I like, I finish a book and I'm left wondering, I can kind of draw my own conclusions. Mm-hmm. So I try to do that sometimes with certain things, but with Emmeline, um, I will answer it because I put little hidden gems in there about, mm-hmm. um, you know, Carmen mentioning something about the assistant and, you mm-hmm. know, just certain things and, and the, um, the threesome they had, you know, on vacation, like just certain things. Mm-hmm. I would say, yes, I would say, yes, I think so. Because mm-hmm. in my mind, when she was smoking for Emily and Dorian was holding Emily and Nora was just smoking for them. They had a threesome in my mind. That, that, that was intimate. Was an intimate threesome. And I'm like, they just missed in the physical contact. Wait a minute, but his, but if I'm not mistaken, Dorian had an erection during that time. Did he? You know what? I didn't <laughs> see it, but no, maybe right. in my head. <laughs> but he most probably feel some type of way. He definitely probably, he probably did. Yeah. I'm saying, yeah, he probably did. <laughs> so another question that I had was, and it just slipped my mind. <laughs> <laughs> it was about, wait a minute, it was a good one too. So, yeah, go ahead, Patrice. Well, like going, not, not even going, I mean, so I, I had one thing about this book the best friend. Was it Rosalind? Yes. Okay. So the one thing that I could not wrap my head around was, okay, everybody used Noor, like all of these different men, Stoney had sex with her. There was a guy who used to live next door. All of these Mm -hmm. people manipulated her sexually and they got what they wanted. But the one time that Rosalind tried to kiss her, she lost her, she, she blew her top, but it's like everybody else she accepted it from. And it just, that right there in a the book, I was like, wait a minute, it's something there. But what was so different about Roz, why she treated her differently than that? Because everybody else who abused her, hit her, I mean, everything, she took it, but why Why not from Roz? And then she didn't talk to her no more, but she's still accepting phone calls from Stoney. Because she don't like that. I mean, she like that. <laughs> I think, no, I think that's a really good point. Um, I think that in my head, right? I already knew what her plan was, right? So at right. that point, 
when that's happening, um, Roz is still an asset, but not too much of one. So then I think more upset than the kiss was the conversation that happened before, which was her that whether Dorian was married or not, basically he wouldn't be interested in you like that. Mm -hmm. That is okay. really frustrated her at that time. And then the kiss maybe triggered her just and and um I'm sorry, yo. You know. Yeah. But it was what happened before. Yeah, I think that's what it was really. Okay, Mm. I remember what I was gonna ask. So everybody else is like really hard on Nora. They like she ain't you know, all this and that. They giving her (laughs) the business. Okay. She is like the scum of the earth. But in your commentary, when I read the things that you write um about her and that kind of thing I feel I get the impression that you empathize with her that you sympathize with her and that you somewhat understood her what are your thoughts on Noor um so when I set out on the journey to write this book it was my first time that I knew I'm gonna write an anti-hero I'm gonna Mm -hmm. come back after three years everybody's gonna expect this from me because I just wrote Last Stop from Innocence. So they're gonna expect a heroine that they love that is mm-hmm. like or a guy. We love these characters, and I'm gonna be giving them something very different. Mm-hmm. So I prepared myself. They are going to hate this girl. I'm probably going to get mixed reviews because some people can't make that distinguish. Like I didn't like the character, so I didn't like the book, you know. Mm-hmm. And I prepared myself for that. So going into it, I was kind of like the mental state of like, I'm like her mommy. I'm like her lawyer. <laughs> I'm like her, like I know mm-hmm. everything about her. I am not defending anything she did. I'm not saying that she's a good person. I'm not saying anybody in this book is a good person. But I do think that people forget um, or just can't, put themselves there because she's been through so much trauma. And I know we've all experienced trauma, but I'm not sure the average human experiences that amount of trauma. So I don't think mm-hmm. people really grasp that much that she's been through for that long. It, it shapes and molds and forms a whole different kind of person, not a normal woman like us with the same morals, with the same, you know, it, it's just not possible. So I do sympathize with her and I do understand her reason as well all my characters. Mm-hmm. I know every single person in the book, even like Prague, even Stoney, I have either written down or in my mind, the reasons they're doing why they're doing what they're doing. Mm-hmm. You know, even somebody like Stoney, right? So like, I feel like a lot of times people will take a character like that and they're just all bad. And I, I, I couldn't do that. I just feel like, humanly and just even just the way that um grooming works right there's always some kind of connection there's always some kind of you know like he's taking her prom dress shopping they're having conversations he's not always a bad guy um so that's that's what I do I I try to make everybody human so I think that's why I understand and sympathize with my character (laughs) <laughs> and I, what I appreciated the most about this book was the fact that I did not like none of the characters, none of the lead characters. Right. I appreciated that. It was most definitely a change of pace. It was most definitely a breath of fresh air because in the typical 
romance books, the typical happy ever after books, you automatically fall in love with the female lead character. And the male lead character always does some fucked up shady shit. And, you know, in the process of them falling in love, you end up falling in love with the male character and falling in love with their love story. And I wasn't fucking with it at all. I didn't like it. No, no I didn't like it. Like, not like, like nobody. Y'all did Emily and Ron fucking in that lady house. I was not for it at all. But I appreciated change of pace. I appreciated the writing. I appreciated the art. And um, it needs to be more stories written like that. To you know, get people to understand it's okay to not like the characters, but still appreciate the work, appreciate the story. You know. Thank you so much. Um, um, I, I appreciate that. But I do have a question from the chat. Go ahead. What they say? They said, had Emily never had gotten sick, would um, would what would have been Nora's trajectory? Mm. Would she still have made her way to the man at uh, to the man at the end? That's a whole other book. Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't know if she would have, no, she would have made it to the end because their chemistry and their connection was, that was going to happen once they met. And Nor was going to meet him. So there was going to be a plan. I, it's so funny because I actually had so many different ways that she was going to get in this house. So. Really? Yeah. Do tell. Do tell. Do tell. Um, <laughs> She's going to be a glorified side piece. So that's okay with that. Okay. yeah well you know what and that's the thing it was like it was like if Emily wasn't sick then she was going to um you know possibly connect herself to Roz you know get in that job aspect you know where Roz was working just it was a lot of different things that I played with um and I and I knew in my head I'm like yeah of course yeah, if Emily wasn't sick, she would absolutely have had a backup plan because that wasn't the plan. She right, so she didn't come from California knowing that Emily was sick. She came right. from, well, Emily wasn't sick. You know, she came from California. I'm going to meet him. I'm going to get to New Jersey and I'm going to put myself in his vicinity. So um I think by befriending Roz, the first bit of information that came up it was like okay then this is what i'm using and if any other information would have presented then she would have finessed her way there and that's i don't know is that conniving is it smart is it determined you know or everything all of it what what had me in a chokehold was the fact that the wife was sick i feel like if it it had played out any other way i could have gave nora pass because you know, it's a dog eat dog world. But the fact that you played in this lady's face and she pretty much on her deathbed—that's what made me just like, nah, bro, I can't, I can't. And I think out. a lot of people feel like that. Um, I think that again, people should realize that more than nor not having any respect for Emmeline, she almost detested that kind of woman. Like I think that coming from what she came from. Um, and, and it has a lot to do with, don't get me wrong, nor has mental health issues. And I hope yeah. that came yeah. up too, you yeah. know, with the whole, he would be talking to her and she would zone out and she would have these thoughts. So she did have her little mental moments. So I think that, um, a lot of Emily reminded her of her aunt, of her mother, these very strong women that were, you know, they, they 
kind of almost were her mother figures, but then in some kind of way they mistreated her or made her feel a certain kind of way. And I think that, I don't know. I feel like Emmalyn was not a bad person, but she had her stuff and nor knew it. Mm -hmm. So I feel like she knew from the beginning. It's like, I can't help it because I'm a bad bitch. I think her exactly. like, you don't really like me. Like, you know, you can pretend, we're, we're both pretending here right. that we're having a sisterly friendship, but you don't really like me and I don't really like you. And, and I think I that- I want to fuck your man and I'm here to take your man. Yeah, he is going to be my, but I, I do want to say something Um, if I don't get to say it again. Dorian Hill is a powerful, successful, intelligent man. He did not get to where he was by not being intelligent. Right. Um, it doesn't matter what Nora's plan was. It doesn't matter how sexy she was. It doesn't. If they did true, if he did not truly fall in love with her, it would not have worked. I don't think whatever whatever she concocted or tried, tripped and fell. She could have fell at his feet, fell in the pool. It doesn't matter. Like I think that if. He was not lacking something at the moment that he was looking for, saw it in her. And then those conversations, I think, built their connection. None of this would have happened. Okay, so there's one, there's a couple things, but one thing that was powerful is insignificant, but it's very significant at the same time. Um, well, Khalees Washington has named them Norian in our chat. I so, love it. <laughs> And that was funny to me, but the one thing was her scent. Where did you create that from? It was a combination of what she used in her hair. It was all cheap stuff, but her scent, it drew people mm -hmm. to her. And, and, and then also her sexual orientation really drew him once he saw it. But, um, but yeah, the scent. Um, well, I'm, I'm a scent person, right? I love, um, I just feel like, Smelling good is just automatically sexy, right? You just feel mm -hmm. confident. When you you see getting that good. man if you smell good. Because yeah, you got me wanting to buy that body wash, that <laughs> almond. <laughs> Mm -hmm. That was all real crazy, smelling like a hot man. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, and I just felt like, you know, she doesn't have much. She doesn't have anything really. Um, so, uh, you know, a lot of times, you have your female lead, they're very uh, beautiful, they're glamorous, they have nice clothes, they have a nice car, they have a nice body. She doesn't have any of these things. So I'm like, what's a natural thing that does not, you know, it doesn't take much, it doesn't cost much, but it, it kind of just, it speaks without without speaking. And um, I think the scent was important. Mm -hmm. It was more, it was her scent, but she had a sensuality about her that drew everybody even his daughter who was a teenager yeah. she didn't even know what it was she was feeling but it's like oh my gosh I just want to be like her mm -hmm. I want to be like said, her teach me how to be soft teach me how to be like you mm. you don't even know this lady so everybody it's it all it wasn't that because we're all attracted to people and it's not it's necessarily sexual I mean that's how we become Right. friends or whatever with people it's like I'm attracted to your personality but everybody was except them damn kids them little kids <laughs> they ain't mm -hmm. damn. but <laughs> everybody yeah. was attracted um to her but it was weird because the way you described her she didn't really have her body wasn't all that she wasn't they was like she could be passed as a boy but they mm -hmm. said she had a sexuality about her that could not be 
Denied. Denied. Thank I you. think that, um, and uh, this is important. Um, I think that when she's younger, right, the scene opens and she's um, at the house and with her brother in the room. And she's, you know, reflecting on not having a boyfriend and not being attractive. She's not popular in school. Nobody, you mm -hmm. know, she doesn't have that yet. Um, I think that it's going to come across so, um, I don't know the word, risque, I guess. But I think a big part of being sexualized young, um, as what happened with Stoney, um, it awakens a sexuality sometimes in young girls that, you know, other young girls don't have. And I think mm -hmm. what he exposed her to and then what he had her doing and she kind of was able to master that. So mm -hmm. I like to put those little tidbits in there and it's a little dark and it's a little uncomfortable, but that's what I do with my writing mm -hmm. um, because it's real and just put those, you know, moments where she's like, you know, I was told that I was an infant. I was told that, you know, I knew how to possess men or I could be sexy. It doesn't matter about my body or my looks. So, you know, he's taught her these things kind of like a pimp teaches, you know, they're, they hoe. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I think that that was a big part of what she had been conditioned and learned through her life of what was important, like her importance. That was Are there big. any other questions in the chat? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got something y'all want to add. Somebody said publish those other um ways that she meet that she meet um Dorian in a like a, like a short story. Um, <laughs> they wore me out. I don't I don't know if I could write. Yeah, don't want nothing else to do with <laughs> oh, because you said you said I'm finished and I'm done with this. <laughs> Look, y'all getting you all, said it on her page. I'm finished all these and 1100 I'm pages and I'm I'm mm -hmm. out of here. <laughs> yeah. I'm done. So, this story come to you before we and, and this is a story based upon a real life. Because, honey, I felt like I was in a Lifetime movie the whole time I was reading this book. I said, um, girl, she didn't got this off Lifetime. No, no, no. <laughs> um, I I like to play around, you know, like with promo and, you know, put the idea, throw the idea out that this could be real. But no, it's not based off of anybody. It, I, this was all from my mind. Um, mm -hmm. And... You know, it's just been a long time. I've had I've had a long time to sit with this. I started this book before I started Last Stop from Innocence, and then I stopped. Ooh, it. Did you? We missed you. Yeah, so <laughs> we did miss you, girl. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this one was sitting there for a while, and then I was gonna write something else, and then it was just I, I think I told Sandra I was like, all right, I just I gotta finish this story. I have so many pages, and she's like, well, what's a lot of pages? Because she's my partner and she's a money girl. And she knows that printing big books costs us a lot of money. So she's like, what's a lot of pages? I was like, well, I have like 500 pages. She was like, so the book's not done at 500 pages? I'm like, no, it's not. Nowhere near done. So, um, so, you know, I knew I had to finish it, but it took a, a long time. And I think that that's what made it so special to me because I didn't, I didn't have a time limit and I just, I just had fun with it. Like I, I was really able to be creative and free and not have any rules and I was just like whatever it's just gonna be a really long book and everybody was like that makes no sense and I'm like 
Yeah. It was really a two for one. And when you really think about it, you really could have broken off in two books and sold it all separately. And we would have been waiting, looking crazy buying. for the second book to drop. <laughs> Sandra is in Aruba right now, so she's probably not watching this. But if she watches it, she's going to be like, I told you, I, I don't want to hear it again. I know it could have been two books. <laughs> it could have been two books. She just wanted it out of her hand. So how are Nor um Norian doing? <laughs> oh, they're doing good. Can you imagine? Right? Just imagine. Like, I feel like, right, Emmalyn and, and Dorian were cool. They they got that built up thing, right? But now mm -hmm. you got Dorian was like set already in his power. And then you have somebody like Nor who he doesn't even know how her mind completely works, but she's by his side. Mm -hmm. And she can play that like, you know, passive role, but she can also feed him, you know, ideas and feed it to him with a little touch and a little whisper. They're, they're I, girl, I, they are, they are soaring. They are made for each other. Okay. I okay. Wait, I think <laughs> question in the chat. Um, the question is, why didn't Mitch send the book or send that little box of, uh, you know, about Dorian and his family, his lifestyle to Dorian? Hmm. And does he, does Dorian even know? Does, does Dorian, he, he okay. Like, he, he does. Why right? he didn't see it? The book came out. He knows, right? No. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, well, Mitch, I think. I think that Mitch just didn't want anything else to do with Dorian because he got his ass beat and he almost right. got killed. So I think he's like, I'm just fucking done. Like, you can have him, you can have her. I'm fucking done with all of y'all. I done took her money already. <laughs> like, um, and as far as Dorian, I don't think he knew about the box. I don't think he knows about the box right now. I don't think he want to know about that box. I Leave that box over there. there. I got my woman. I'm happy. Leave I me alone. <laughs> I don't know if he would care as much, honestly. I, I think that he knows it's more to her than what she lets on because he let her know that I, I'm not stupid. Oh, yeah. Uh, the oh. other thing that I think that Dorian, when I think he looks at Nor, I think he's addicted to, it, it's like she's exactly the opposite of his wife. And she does need him, but can you imagine this this billionaire guy? It's like he's got this girl who's never experienced anything, and it is exciting to take somebody and they experience their first—I mean, piece of lobster. They experience their first ride on a private jet. I think he's addicted to her first, mm -hmm. and and just seeing her being excited, and he gets to do that because he never got to do that with his wife. Mm -hmm. And okay. on top of that, he needed to be needed. I got two more questions. So we, and then we gonna let you go. We gonna get really into the book, y'all. When she get off, we stand on y'all. We'll be on till um, <laughs> 9, 10 o'clock. So how is Dice? Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking about me for no more. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm Okay, so what did you give him from the update you got, right? He's he's doing the train station with right. with Dorian. That's happening. Mm -hmm. Um, I think you got from the update that he's single, right? Mm -hmm. So and, and Ali is still in the background. He's still Jonesing. He still loves her. He still loves her. Just you know, he's being dice, he's getting back to his business. He's just right. Cause I feel like he was still kind of coming back from his 
his letdown. Well, he was coming back financially, number one, and then mm-hmm. also he was learning from what happened in uh, during that part of his life, and that's how he was able to advise dorian he was just like basically man don't don't do when you find out what's real you need to go for it 100 don't let it go i've been there before he was like you know what and if you get hurt in the end and so what you get hurt at least you experienced it that's what mm-hmm. i got from from dice mm-hmm. that's why i brought that up because he was in a book yeah so are we, are we, are we but i didn't want to get deep into it because we ain't talked about it yet but go ahead look are we on the cusp of a dice and bunny book? Is that is that what we're preluding to? Um, <laughs> Please don't I'm tell not, me take three years. <laughs> I've gotten that question. I'm not, but I also I don't. I never say never, but I don't have enough content for them yet, and and I would never want to do it cheap. Mm-hmm. I want to. I would if I was to do that, it would really have to be deep, and I feel like at this point, everybody could kind of guess a book for them how it would go mm-hmm. and i don't and i wouldn't want to do it predictable either so right, right. oh right. no oh no right. just, just keep bringing him up in the other books so we you said we're not gonna have to wait that long till you come out with another book do you have anything in mind and the work how much longer it's gonna be before you come out with something else i know you just got finished with me for Nora, but we got nothing. no no i i am i am working on something else um because when I, you know, when I finished last stop, I had something else started. And like I said, I was like, no, I have to finish Needful North. So I had this other book started that I am working on. So um not not three years. No. Nope. <laughs> Probably yeah. one, you know, so it it'll be it'll be soon. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an audible head. I am a true audible head. I love audible. Yeah. I love audibles. If y'all just didn't catch that 85% off sale, I don't know what you were doing. <laughs> but if any of your work, I don't care which one, I prefer devout, will be on audio anytime soon. I will um, right now, last stop is on audio. Last stop for me. Right. Um, but I am hoping that um we can we can do a couple more soon it's just um it's a lot it's a lot to do it on your own and then it's a lot to negotiate the right kind of deal for somebody else to do it so I, I think that um I think every author wants their whole catalog on audio you know but it's just it is a lot a lot behind the scenes yeah every single time so we 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 be rocking with y'all regardless Period. Uh, on there or not so what um what can we do to continue to support you oh just keep doing what you guys are doing like you guys with all of this spreading the word and just I mean just supporting the culture supporting the art interviewing authors talking about the new work like that is supporting us 100% I don't even know what else I can say um I appreciate it. I, there's nothing else you can do for me. You guys do it all. So, <laughs> so how can the people get in touch with you? Um, how can they stay in touch with you? Stay connected. Make sure they in the mix. Give me your information. And when, when will you be anywhere this year that people can see you live? Um, so I have an event coming up August 5th in New Jersey, where I'm from. Um, it's an intimate event. We actually sold out of our general admission tickets, but we have a couple of the VIP tickets left. It's um, it will be a 
cookbooks, dinner, um, prepared, inspired by Dorian Chef, you know. Oh, <laughs> yeah, signed paperback copies and a reading from my upcoming book. So that is going to be a nice little event. I'm excited about that. I haven't seen, you know, readers in a long time. So I'm excited about having that evening with them. Um, and then, you know, who knows, something else may come up. Um, I'm on Instagram by Takira Allen. I'm on Facebook, Takira Allen. And now I am on TikTok. <laughs> I knew you was going to help that. us with TikTok. <laughs> now you can find me on TikTok. Um, you know, I don't know how you're going to find me on TikTok, how I'm going to be doing on there, but I'm on there reposting, I think, and, and making videos or whatever. So can I ask you a question? Yeah. Um, if you're done with the part, you're like telling us where you're at. I, I have a question about the book that I didn't get to. Yeah. Um, I want to know, Emmeline was a smart woman. Emmeline and Dorian were very smart. Mm. And Emmeline, she was, she was very smart. She wasn't a fool by any means. Mm. Why was she pushing? Why, why would, why was she like, she knew that this girl was attracted to her husband but yet she still kept pushing them around each other. Like when he went to the um, the soup kitchen, it was just like, oh no, she can go with you. Like she was purposely putting them around each other. And she knew that he, that, that she was attracted to him. And then she eventually realized that he was in love with her. But it's like, why? I, I don't care who it is. I don't, I just don't understand why she let that happen because I mean, well, it was going to happen because we learned from the end of the book, it was going to happen. Nor had a, she came with an agenda, but the thing is, it's like, it didn't have to happen like that. Emmeline, I feel like she opened the door for her and said, come on in. So I think that with Emmeline and, um, and I actually fed off a lot of some things with myself and just women that I know. Um, so the soup kitchen, for instance, right. Carmen says, we'll take North right and there's kind of like this silence of like ooh, mm. you know but I think with Emmeline having so much pride and she's coming from this place of being this bad bitch I'm confident in my position she is has so much pride that at that moment especially in front of Nora she's not gonna say no sure, well, I don't think that's right. idea. she's not gonna show that weakness and I think that that pride ultimately costs people you know, and um, I, I think it's pride. I think that that was a big part of like that instance. And just almost too, um, I think that Emmeline liked to play a little bit of mind game. She was confident in right. their marriage. She probably felt like regardless of if Dorian had some fun or flirted or, you know, even God forbid something sexual happened with what she was going through. Mm -hmm. I don't think that she foresaw a get into the going that far yeah. and then she checked nor but to her husband she said you love her and he was like of course i love her thinking she's talking about the daughter right yeah. she said yeah. you love her and then he, she said no nor you're you love her don't you and immediately like he knew that he loved her so that's why when she knocked on the door he immediately just checked the shit out of her yeah like yeah. he went hard by it she's like he, wait a minute what happened Mad at himself almost at that. Get point. mad at himself. So he took it out on her. And then, you know, when she, when she went to leave, he was like, okay, no, don't go. But then when she talked 
when she talked to Nor, it was like, bitch, get your shit and get out my house. But to her husband, she was like, you're in love with her. I think that at that point, knowing that she, that, that forfeit with him, it was almost like a defeat. But then I think that seeing them, you know, cause sometimes you can imagine something and it might, you know, whatever. Okay. He's in love with her. But I think actually seeing them physically together, which she says that she saw on the balcony, probably, um, you know, brought up some rage and some anger and just a whole different reaction than her whole, you know, I'm accepting this kind of demeanor. So I think that's what changed with her. So this is the last question, then we're going to let you go. Someone asked on Instagram, and I got this question too. Did Nor mess with um, Emily's medication? No. My question is, did she kill the lady? No. And, and I'm glad that we got into this, right? So some people might feel that's subjective, right? The argument may have caused it. And I've even heard, you know, well, what would Dorian do if he found out that that Nor has something to do with his wife's death? But did she? And I don't know what he would do if if he found out that they had an argument. Like, I don't think that that is a sufficient thing. Yes, yeah, fucked up. You know, she went in there and she said, yeah, you, me and your husband been liking each other and he loves me. It's all fucked up, right? But at that point, Emily has said her things to her, nor had left. She got triggered. She started feeling like, fuck this. I'm tired of all these bitches treating me like shit. You know, my mother, my aunt, and now this bitch, like, no, I'm going back in here and I'm, I'm, I'm going to defend I'm myself. I'm not weak. I'm not weak. You're weak, you know? And I think that that's what happened. Um, it was fucked up. It was horrible, but I don't know if it was killing her. I don't know if that, if we can give her that, that credit, um, maybe a part of it, but you know, it was, it was an argument. I think it was some excitement for them to be doing what they was doing, like having these sexual relations. And she was up there in that bed. I thought they was getting off on that. I mean, I think they really was attracted to each other, but I think that led into the um I don't know that that like we might get caught that cat and mouse or whatever because they wasn't because Dorian didn't care remember oh my goodness this was so funny oh you gotta let her go Squan. I'm sorry no it's okay I gotta say something else back to what you had said too about Emmeline and you just brought that up um Emmeline played a lot of mind games right yeah. we all know that she she liked to play mind games and even when, you know, they were getting intimate after the dinner party. And then I feel like once she started feeling like he was frustrated and he didn't want to be intimate with her, then it was like, okay, well, let's talk about Nora and that sexy dress and she looked good. So it, it was, again, using her mm. some kind of fire and passion back in between them. It was kind of like desperate measures. I know my husband's on his way out. She knew her husband was on her way, on his way out when she drank the liquor and pulled off in the car, you know? So mm. it's like, I'm just going to keep doing whatever I can do to keep him around. Even if it means giving him a little plaything to look at, you know, and, and do a little fire, whatever, you know, it was just desperate. That's what, That's what I said. So we appreciate you so much for being here. I told you I wasn't going to keep you here all night. Um, so we got all the information we know how to get in touch with you and everything and we sent you a little token of our appreciation <laughs> i love it i love my gift thank you so much no problem and 
our members of the Black Girl Book Club podcast. If you're not in the group, you got to be in the group to get it. We are going to do a giveaway for some of those things as well. Yay! They are so cool too. Thank you guys. I love you so much. Thank you for everything you do. Thank you for having me. And we're going to stay in your inbox. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, she finally gets to get rid of me now. No, <laughs> no, no, no. I love it. Thank you so much. You seriously, your videos, you made this release so special. It's like the best release out of all of them. That was so huge. Like, I loved it. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for Thank you for coming on to bring it. Thank, Thank you. you guys. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Okay, yeah. Now we can really get into the book. We got like 40 minutes. <laughs> That's long. Hey girlfriend, I'm Phil. So you just missed Takira Allen. She just got off. Um, so the second book starts off with Emmeline's death, her dying. So Nora had left the house. Do we think that she was coming back or was she done with them for good? At that time, I didn't think she was coming back. But of course, when you say knowing what I know now, you know what I mean? It's like, okay, yeah, she was going to find her way back. But at that time, I didn't think she was coming back. I thought that she was done. Okay, before we get deep, deep into this, um, put in the chat, did Takira Allen change our mind about anything with her thoughts? Like the things that she said tonight, did anybody change like how you felt? Like you wasn't feeling nor you hated the, you know, the, their relationship with the things that she said tonight, or you changed, you know, are you team nor now, or do you kind of understand where they was at or whatever with that relationship or anything like that? understand where they were at with their relationship i understand um the reason why dorian did what he did um because he was also needy himself and i appreciate the clarification behind it was a true connection because at first i thought it was just some pussy and he wanted some attention that emily wasn't giving him so i appreciate the fact that she said it's a genuine connection and he was smart enough not to fall for the old okie doke Mm -hmm. um i also appreciated um oh, i forgot pregnancy brain kicked in my bad y'all but <laughs> i can empathize with the situation but i still don't like this so emily passes away uh, Corman is the one who calls Noor and says, you need to come back now, right? At this time, when I'm reading a book, I'm, I'm like, she killed her or Dorian killed her or something. I didn't think this was just her illness taking her out. I thought they had killed her ass at this point. And I was kind of mad, actually. I was like, they didn't kill Emily, Lord. And they up in her fucking and freaking and I didn't kill this lady so they can be together. But I was in the book. I was like pumped, hyped about the book. So she comes back. And at this point, she is their nurturer. Mm -hmm. And now I'm thinking like, thinking back to what Takira just said, like they needed her. So they mm -hmm. called her back there to come and care for them after their mother and their wife just went off on her, cursed her out, demeaned her, degraded her, all this stuff. Now she got to come and pick it's up her. her. 
Carmen heard her mama, the last conversation that her mama and Nora had before her mama died, Carmen heard her speak, her mama speak Nora out. Did she? I don't remember that. I don't recall that. At the end of the book, and they said what happened to promote the demise of Emmeline, Carmen had heard the conversation of Emmeline cussing her out, so like, get the fuck out, yada, yada, yada. Oh, but she thought it was just her regular the headaches and how she her temperature. I mean, not Mm -hmm. temperature, but her mood swings. Mm -hmm. So I think Carmen appreciated it more that you know my mom just cussed you out. I'm pretty sure you probably feel some type of way about that situation, and then I'm asking you to come back because she didn't die. You know. So she's there. She's She's there for them and everything. And for some reason, Dorian is pulling away from her because he's feeling guilty. Feel I think wrong, he feels feel guilty. Bad. Right. Mm-hmm. He got her put up in this um apartment. He bought her a place, paid up the rent, I got it furnished, all this. All so Emily's sister it. letting him have it. Emily's sister let him have it. Do she know this? She know he got her place and stuff? No, he don't know that, but Emily, but he couldn't have her there because Emily's sister was going in kind of like, why mm-hmm. she here, Ike? Like, she gone. That's her nurse. Why she here? Why the fuck is this bitch here? And my sister died. Mm-hmm. I'm here. I got the kids. Right. 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 I'm here. I'm the next of kin. Mm-hmm. So he got her in this place and he got her a place. He would go, he would bring her food and, mm-hmm. you know, all that stuff. But he wasn't messing with her. He wasn't sleeping with her. He for wasn't like touching weeks. her for like yeah. eight weeks. And then what happened after, after that Carmen found them too, though, isn't it? It's after no, no, Carmen. No. No. So what, what made him, he didn't touch her. Um, he didn't touch her for a while because the last time he had touched her was when he supposedly went to help her move out of her place and he took her shopping. So so come forward now the reason that he ended up touching her again is because he goes to her house drop off food check in on her but her phone keeps ringing and she doesn't answer why he's there and so it keeps ringing and then finally he gone i'm gonna I'm holler at you later make sure you set the alarm she didn't her phone rings again she's on the phone with stony he comes he doubles back to see like what the fuck is this and he hears her talking to him and he takes the phone. And then he, you know, and he's jealous. Dorian he's jealous had me all hot and bothered. He was like, pull he up the shit out of her. <laughs> <laughs> it's my address. You talking to him in my house? Wait, my but did house? anybody else feel like um, Emily's funeral should have been a little bit more sad? I felt like we just like, passed over there real quick like emily and dad she had a funeral okay moving on <laughs> but you know what she alluded to the way these rich wealthy off people live they live you know at a faster pace than the average joe because it's it, in so many words in so many ways the husband moves right on whether it's with the stepdaughter or mm. the auntie or you know the best friend whatever he moves on and marries within the year of the death of his wife his first wife second wife or whatever because he talked about it when um Nora was I think she was at the gala and she felt so insecure and uncomfortable being amongst all of Emmeline's friends and he was like these people ain't what you think they are these people fucked up too Nobody he said he was feeling her at the wife funeral he couldn't even get through the funeral he was worried about her too much at the funeral 
he was worried about her a little bit a little bit too much because he was because she was the only one that he would actually sit down and talk to she made him smile made him laugh made sure he ate and everybody saw that and i think it's another reason why the assistant appreciated um nor the most because yeah she was the she was the one that at the at the wake or not the wake the repast at their house she was able to get him to eat and and crack a smile right so after this let's get into this lake action okay baby because okay so first he was trying to be distant with her then of course when stony called he want to get all jealous and stuff now he want her to go away to the lake with him or did she know she was going to the lake I don't this think she my favorite part of the book. <laughs> and I felt bad because the lady had just died. And I was like, I should be mad that they doing this. But it was And another thing, Emmeline hated the lake. Of course, nor loved the lake. Another reason for him to just be like, she my one. She my person. Right. So he takes her away. Like, let's go away. He like, I need to get away. This is just too much. Um, The kids went and stayed with her sister. Mm -hmm. for like a couple weeks or like a month or something like that and then um so he was just home alone so he took Nora to his lake house right and it was just like this big beautiful peaceful just area I could just see it like I could see the house I could see the lake outside it was secluded in the woods yada 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 all this and stuff so what happened at the lake y'all what happened first so he showed her they had sex this was before Prague had came but it seemed like something happened like they did they get into it arguing they got to arguing because he pretty much confessed that I was gonna fuck you when I asked you to get this physical that's why I asked for STD and he tried to gloss it over like I made everybody take the STD test I made everybody take that same exact physical and she was like no it's hard to believe that you got the maid and the cook and you know everybody else taking the std test and you know and she's like well you saw my results didn't you and he was like it doesn't matter that i saw your results well you know my sexual history you know about all the guys i've been with you know that i was a prostitute you know about the chlamydia the gonorrhea and the abortion i had and he was like it, it doesn't matter you know her. wait shaquana your face <laughs> what you say <laughs> what all did she have Yes, she had. He really loved her. He loved her too. Damn, that was a lot. So they got into it, and they like kind of beefing a little bit, and then he like warmed back up to her. But during this time, they're like, this is when they really they had been connected. But Emily was there. You know, her health was deteriorating. She had to nurse her back to health. This is the first time that they get to be just them for mm -hmm. a period of time where they like really get to connect, okay? So they connecting, they sleeping together, they fucking all this stuff. They had a little riff, but then they got it back together, right? Lo and behold, here come Prague ass. We ain't talked about him or not. Prague is... Dorian's like best friend that's his right hand man you know when you and he his right hand man in business but he not his best friend he was his best friend he wasn't so? he wasn't his right hand in business because he didn't even trust him with business stuff he's trusting him with street stuff okay that was his okay. right hand on the street okay right I feel obligated to bring you along and make you a part of my success because 
you came from the same place I came from, you know, mm-hmm. and you was real back then and in that street, you know, um, era. So, of course, I'm going to bring you over to the business side, the clean money side, because I feel like I owe you, I'm obligated. Because, you know, a lot of things probably wouldn't have went down the way they went down if I didn't have you beside my side. So you he know. just kind of really, like, brung him along just out yeah. of obligation, that loyalty. Yeah, and loyalty. Do y'all think Prof was there when they was having sex? I, I don't put it past them. No, no, but I think Mel was watching, though. You think Mel was? Mel was not watching. Mel ain't never too far behind me. And he stayed in that little, I think Mel was watching. Oh, Shaquana? Remember because when 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 Prague sent those people to kill him, Mel was right there. Mel was right there and heard everything. Mm, I don't know. Baby, this was some freaky stuff going on in this book. They sharing weed. The man is watching them. But anywho, so they have a night of passion and then um prog comes nor is downstairs oh they had got into it they got got into it they he was sleeping in a different room she was in another part of the house so then she ends up downstairs in the kitchen and i'm just thinking murder mystery right here but she ends up downstairs in the kitchen do she have a robe on or is she naked she either she got on some real some, I feel like he was able to see her, but I can't remember what it was. She had on some real sexy, right? So Prague comes in the house. It's like one, two, three, four, five o'clock in the morning. Like, sir, what are you doing here? Right? So he said that he had been trying to call Dorian. Dorian is not answering his phone because he like, I'm I'm trying to relax, you know, with my boo. I'm trying to relax. As Asmir would say, he was DND. <laughs> So he like, I'm trying to relax with my boo. So he ain't answering no phone calls or nothing like that. So Prague come rushing to this house. I'm like, what the fuck is you doing? Captain Saber, nigga, what? Like, so he coming like, I'm coming to check on you and see what's going on. You're not answering your phone. But Nora is downstairs in the kitchen with no clothes on. So he comes in the house. He had already been like messing with her basically the whole entire time he's been knowing her like calling her out of her name, harassing her. He's touched her, all kind of crazy stuff, right? So he in the kitchen, y'all know what just came to my mind? Pretty woman. When, um, uh, what, what's his name? Oh, yeah, Stucky and he or was whatever. touching on her and all that and was calling her a prostitute and stuff. Mm-hmm, Shakira, I see you. So yeah, so he came and he like feeling on her and touching her. What did he say to her? Like, you ain't nothing to him, or you just his little plaything. But the stuff he was saying, I'm like, you actually think that's going to make her say, you know what? Come on, get, you know, get this. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you really think the stuff that you were saying was going to make her turn around and bust it wide open? <laughs> Hell no. It's like, this dude is delusional. Right. So but Dorian talking. pissed me off because when he come downstairs and he see it, he can look at her. You know your woman. So you can see that something is wrong. So you know this nigga then did something. Right. So, yeah, he was loyal to him to a fault. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Okay, so then he, um, so Dorian kind of went off on him a little bit. They had a conversation about some business and Dorian was like, basically gone, dude. He Now he was brushing him off. Now, I'm not saying that Prague should have tried to have him killed, but <laughs> you gonna treat me like this? I've been with you through all this shit and 
to be like, I ain't nobody, like I ain't nothing, right? So he was making deals with your man without him. Or no, no, no. Pride was trying to make a deal with Dice behind um behind Dorian back. Right. And Dorian found out about it. So he was pissed. So he knew he was gonna have to deal with him. Eventually. So he leaves. Um, so Dorian, I mean, um, Prague leaves, but it's some tension between them. Like Prague is mad and Dorian knows it. He's thinking in the back of his head, like this nigga is not right. Something ain't right with he him. Pulled, right? Did he pull a gun on Nor? Lisa, I think said it. I think he put a gun to her head or whatever. Oh my god. The dude to, yeah, uh, he pulled a gun on he pulled a gun on her. And then yeah, and then Dorian came downstairs and that's when he put it away. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah talking about when he was when she when he came to the house. Yeah. yeah, when he came to the lake house. But when Prague left, things wasn't good between them. Like they beefing at this point, kind of a little bit, right? And Dorian and so immediately Prague sent some hitters right away. Right. Mm -hmm. So then they in the bed, they sleep. Did they have sex? No, they were still kind of beefing. Okay, so Prog, I'm trying to get to this um take it out on me moment. So proxy. <laughs> in the wind so it's like somebody in this house so she like you know finna wake him up but before he can get up they got guns drawn got them to their heads yada 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 so then <clears throat> these dudes were sent to kill them by Prague but Mel came in blasting this his security guard the bodyguard guy he came in he well, shot he them. them right and Dorian was never scared right Dorian was never scared he was like let her go they had the gun to um baby I would Baby, they be having some situations with these women. You know what? I don't think this my type of lifestyle. <laughs> when they people coming up here and putting guns to my head, this is not my type of lifestyle. So, uh, Prague have um that he asked them like, "Who sent you?" And the dude was like, "Prague." So he was like, "Damn, my dog tried to have me killed. Now I got to kill his ass, whatever." Right? So. <laughs> the dudes left nor he killed, he killed no 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 the dudes didn't leave he killed them right i mean he the killed north. them right he didn't, yeah. they didn't leave they didn't leave that's a lie so they um male came in and killed the guys one of the guys was holding nor with the gun to her head he came in he killed him so she is like just so shaken up because this dude just got killed right in front of her never seen the gangster side of dorian she never she knew it was there but she's never experienced it Right. He didn't have to experience this street hood, this dupe, as they keep referring him to, that MLN got to experience. She's never experienced it. She only experienced the clean cut, the centenaire, you know, and vibe and Ebony Magazine spread Dorian. She's never experienced it. And, and Dorian blacked out because he forgot that he naked and so is she. He's swinging everyone. <laughs> And he looked at her and Mel in that moment, as scared as she was, Mel looked at Noor and, and was, yeah, he was moved. Yeah. By the yes. way she she was messed up. That was, that was messed up. Like I said, I ain't about that life. So <clears throat> I like the hood niggas in the book, but not in real life. But so um, Noor is messed up. So Dorian is like distant. 
he's distant from her now after this because he got so much on his mind. He was like, I finally tried to take some time off and this type of shit that I got to deal with while I'm trying to relax with my woman or whatever. So she's sensing all of this, all of his stress you know, the fact that he's become distant to her and all this stuff. So she go into his office because he was in his office and she like, you know, did she say, come get in the bed with me? Or was they in the office? Anyway. Mel took her to a guest room. Mm-hmm. They get cleaned up, yada, 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 relax in here, you know, go to sleep. Everything is fine. And they sent in the cleaners to come and take care of everything. And then by the time I guess she wakes up or, you know, she feel like enough time has passed, she goes to his office and hears the conversation between Mel and him about what's the next steps and, you know. Then she go into the office, right? So she kind of seduced him. She's like, I know you dealing with a lot right now. I'm about to take your mind off all this stuff, right? So nor turns into a straight gangster this killing just got her just on 10 okay so she's like she was aroused by the killer i don't know but maybe she turned into the incredible hulk because she let this big nigga stick his thing in her butt okay so she's like listen she is initiating you of a big nigga he let this big nigga <laughs> Punch her back, okay? So she's like, put it back there, not up her, put it back there. And he like, you sure? She Erica, you funny. Erica said the line junior. Carter, Erica Carter the line junior. <laughs> she said, take it out on me. Whatever you feeling right now, I want you to take it out on me. I was like, baby, when I was gone, North. I was back team North and then I was like, she taking one for the team, honey. When I say she is taking one, she took it. Okay. She took all of She's that. She's like, choke, you could choke me, hit whatever me, you whatever you to need me. to do. Because I know you under a lot of stress right now. Take it out on me. <laughs> I let them take it out on y'all. Raise your hand. Give <laughs> you that down for your man. Cause he was <laughs> you not. But you know what? Can I um say Lisa um in the chat? She said Nora is used to men taking their frustration out on her. She knows it's something that they that the men need. Mm-hmm. Don't take my moment from me. Damn. I don't need to be looking at Nora like something wrong. With Lisa, don't take. My What'd you say? No, Nora is a G. Okay, Nora was a straight G. What'd you say? She took it from the woman to the tutor. Nope. <laughs> So he took it out on her. They leave from down there because at this point, Dorian got stuff he got to handle. He got to handle Prague, you know, whatever. So they go back to the house. And it seemed like he distanced to her again after they get back. Mm-hmm. So then... This nigga just made an attack on me. Mike, let's take Nora out of the situation. He made an attack on me and pledged for these two niggas if they kill me that they was going to be the next Prague and you was going to be the dude. No, we ain't letting that slide. After you already tested my gangster in my office between me and you. And he was like, don't get it twisted because you see me in this office and I'm all dressed up. The Duke is still there. Do you want to find out? So I want to say three weeks prior to this situation, they had had an encounter about Prague trying to test him. Right. And then you actually tested me and sent these two weak ass shooters to kill me. So. Right. He, his mind is elsewhere, basically. So 
boom, he get back, he handling his business all day. So then let's fast forward to Halloween because we ain't got a whole lot of time. But but then he cut her off for a minute. That's what I'm saying. I felt like he felt felt like he cut her off for a minute. And then she came back to the house to get her last check. And when she came to the house to get her last check, his accountant was in there trying to break him off. What was her name? Tracy. Tracy was in there trying to break him off. And he he didn't want her. She, I mean, she did everything she could. She put her knees, all that. And when she, when, when, um, he was escorting her out, he was like, she was half dressed or whatever. And I want to say, what's, what's the, um, security guard that's never far away? Yeah. 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 He was, he was there. Um, he was there to help him, but she was half dressed. Her shirt was all pants and then his pants was unbuttoned. And Nora was, of course, coming up to get her check. And she caught that. Mm-hmm. Her, check. her check. Okay, so boom, all this happened. So then fast forward a little bit. Now, throughout the entire book, part one and part two, Corman looks at Nora as one of her friends. Like mm-hmm. she's like, you know, like her little protege, That's right? They so developed cool. a really close relationship, yada, yada, yada. So Dorian mm-hmm. invites her over. And nasty, don't even look at him like that, girl. He ugly. Don't look at my daddy like that. After yeah. he um then kept her at arm's length for a little while, um, he finally invites her over for Halloween, right? She come over Halloween with some motherfucking heels on. She was getting her man back. <laughs> she was getting her man back. My man, my man, my man. Let me whip it on him. So she comes to Halloween like looking like Catwoman, basically. Okay. Mm-hmm. So he back turned you know, on. Barry and Catwoman. You know, but she was fine. They, you can see the chemistry between them at this point. Now, these kids' mama just died. Okay. Just Let's, died. Maybe. Right, so you can see the chemistry between them and Corman, who is 16 at this time, she like, you like my daddy, which I thought was kind of funny. Nora wasn't that much older than her, but it was like, look, girl, get on my business. <laughs> what are you talking about? Do I like your daddy? But she was like, I like my daddy or whatever. And Nora was like, no, we're just friends. And she was like, please don't like my daddy. I felt so bad. I did too. So bad. And that kind of circled back to when he had told her, don't ever make my kids no promises that you can't keep. So you finna lie in my baby face. See, this was the type of problems I used to have with Nora or mm-hmm. whatever. So she lied to the little girl, said, no, we're just friends. So then that night, of course, it started raining when they came back from Halloween. It was like the best Halloween that the kids that I have ever had because Emma Lamb used to make them go to this party that they want to go to. Entertainment party for kids. Right. So they went trick-or-treating for the first time. They had the best night ever. They come back home. It's raining. Okay. So Nora can't leave. She has to stay she at can, this house. She's for hers not to leave. But right. She can't leave. Right. So this was right after she just told this little girl, I don't like your daddy. We just friends. So she stays there. And Dorian hot ass. I'm calling him hot ass. His fast ass. She in her room. She minding her business. <laughs> Carmen already said good night. So you didn't brought me my clothes. You didn't say good night. You gone to bed. Or so I thought. His hot ass comes and down to the girl's room. And said, all the kids asleep, girl, bye. Ain't nobody finna come in here. Right. 
So did her, he come creeping back up in her in the middle of the night. Like, come and on, let's do it. Is this when she was on her period? No. Nah. Her period was coming? No. Nah. I think so. So she, yeah. he like, come on, let's get it on. She like, no, you know, my period is coming on. I'm spotting, da 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 all this and that. He was like, girl, I don't give a fuck about that. Let's go. We about to get it on. Okay. That did happen, but it was at a different time because what after it? Finished, she asked, did it taste different? And he oh. said, yeah, it tasted a little different. Right, okay, this wasn't that time. So scratch the period talk. So she's still telling him, no, we can't do this right now. The kids is here, yada, yada, yada. Here's the good munching ass. I think Cormac called him a munch. <laughs> Cormac owned it. But she called him a munch. His good munching ass and got her legs up in the earth going to town. And guess what happens? Karma walk her fast ass in. The baby come in. It's like, when you it's stop, why you don't knock? Because this is her friend. She going to her friend room to talk to her friend. And going to have pillow talk, slumber party. And her daddy is in there munching on her carpet. She <laughs> <laughs> was so heartbroken. She was I so I felt so bad for Corbin. I, I did. So, now Corman hates Snore. She called her Nor the whore. That was like <laughs> <laughs> pretty much what she was. And, and she then was... called the auntie and spilled all the tea. The auntie who didn't like her from jump, all this stuff. So the auntie, like, you can come down here and live with me. But the worst thing ever in this book was when she told that man he was not her daddy. Mm -hmm. yeah. I wanted to cry for him. I feel so bad for him. So at this point, him and Nord, they got to break up. He like, my daughter is struggling. Their mama just died. Now she just called me sleeping with the nurse. All this and that, we got to separate. So now he can't be with her. He told her, if I got to choose between you and my kids, I have to choose them. Okay? So this is them breaking up again. Now she in her house and he in his house, but he's still taking care of her and doing all this. The funniest thing was when he called her that one night and she started talking about surfboard. It was so funny. So then they had kind of broke up, but then Corman says to him, I see how you are when you're with her. Mm -hmm. I see that you're happy when you're with her. Mm -hmm. I'm going to forgive it. They end up having a conversation. She like, y'all can be friends or whatever the case may be. I'm not mad at her no more. Right? So now they become a big happy family at this point. Switzerland for Christmas. I'm a little bit uncomfortable at this point because it's like these kids got a new mama already. They mama dying. They got a new mama. And them little kids is just like they still, I feel like they raising they self. Mm -hmm. So that happened. She let Corman come into the fold. She like, you know, I see my daddy happy with you. Y'all can be together. Um, he proposed to Nor with the puzzle she moved into that house i was like oh my god but the they didn't want to move the kids didn't want to move and so it would be wrong to make them move because right. this is mother's house and it's the only house they know right so all this happened yeah so now we finna go to the climax usually the climax be at the end of the book i mean in the middle of the book 
She didn't put the climax at the end, Lord. Well, we had a few climaxes. climaxes. It was a few climaxes, but baby, this climax right here, well, we wasn't ready for this. So he proposed to her. They ended up getting married. And at their reception, Roz, y'all remember Roz, the girl who kissed and all that, comes to the reception and tells her. Roz was doing too much. You think Ross was doing too much? I feel like Ross was doing too much. She didn't want to interview people from prison. And it's like, <laughs> Ross, you is not Barnaby Jones or whatever, Matlock. I'm like, who do you think you are? So Ross comes to the reception and Ross is like, I know your secret, basically. And what Nora's secret is, is that she has been plotting on Dorian for three years. Mm -hmm. thinking they didn't met at this party she fell on his dick and they fell in love no baby no. nor been a magazine bitch she saw him in a magazine and she said i'm gonna be with this man and this for three years she plotted on this man getting to this man falling in love with him and all that at the time when i got finished reading the book I, it changed everything for me I can't hear you, LaCorey. Mitch was her way there. Mitch had came into the diner on the Amazon, uh, what do you want to call them, retreat or something like that in California. And the lady down the co one of her coworkers said, "That's your ticket to New Jersey." He from New Jersey. You need to, you need to see what's up with that, because that's gonna get you to Dorian. That's what's gonna get you to your man, your man of your dream, your dream man. crazy i'm getting off instagram y'all crazy so she had been plotting on him she had this whole book count um with all his information and he she knew everything about him she had started following corman she had started like a lot of stuff so that's stalking their whole family single whole white female and i was like girl you can't love him you know, when you've been stalking this man for three years, like, was the love really real? And it just kind of crushed me after that. I was like, at first, I wasn't rooting for them. Um, Jennifer said last week, LaCorey, because you was trying to come for me. She said, I wasn't rooting for the mistress. I was rooting for the love. I was rooting mm. for the love. So I was rooting for their love. But after this, I'm like, is the love really real? And she had been plotting on him for three years. His love might have been real, but was her love real? And so in her mind, in her mind is real. You have no empathy, no remorse for nobody. For nothing. And I honestly, I, I believe her infatuation was so deep that those kids would have gotten away. That's what I'm saying. That kind of was messing me up too. Like, is this girl crazy? Like. And now she about to have, she was pregnant, y'all, at the reception. She had just found out she was pregnant. And then that whole thing that she did on the balcony where she had him lifting her up and she almost fell off. Was about, that was just like, like, this girl is crazy. So, yes. She was doing something crazy. else to distract him from the things yeah. that was going on. So he would keep stay focused on her. Yeah, right. And stay present in the moment and fuck what Ross is talking about after she just didn't tongue her down downstairs. Yes. So and then also she's throwing the pregnancy on her. At that last minute to not tell her secret. What? 
Did you see the way she manipulated Ross to not tell her secret? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? To keep this to yourself. If you genuinely want me to be happy, if you genuinely want, you know, love me, yada, 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 you know, this would just stay where it's at. And the way she sealed it with a kiss. Right outside the reception. Taste of what all these other niggas been tasting. I'm just give you a little bit, a fraction, a sliver. And then Rod standing there like a little lost puppy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Girl, you did all that for nothing. Better be very deep, 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 because Dorian is not a forgiving man. So that was me for Nor, y'all. We finally made it through. This book that had me all jacked up since a month before it came out. But you know what? I guess in my world of make-believe, I mean, like this, this is not a true story. So it's not hard to, you know, you want to root for the love. But, mm-hmm. but in, in, in the grand scheme of things, Nora was wrong. She should be like, what, like, what the hell? I'll be wrong sometimes, though. I ain't worried about that. I'm just. He was wrong. I'm just saying. I, I I get rooting for the love, and there the power between them was so intense, and the sex was so intense, and the way he made love to her before he made love to her, everything was so intense between them. It's like it's hard not to want to see that grow, and so. It felt good, it looked good, and it sounded good. And the shit he was willing to do, he was a nasty nigga. Mm-hmm. And it just sounded good. But at the end of the day, I mean, but still, just, just he, they both was wrong. And his ass should have felt guilty. Mm-hmm. And he moved that girl up in that house in no time. With the quickness. With the quickness. What's well, the kid said? That they is living happily ever after. So, but hey, yeah, the hard. I guess it works. I guess it works. The hard wound with the hard wound. I guess it works. So next week we are talking about the perfect find by Tia Williams. Yeah, we're gonna take it down a little bit. Then I'm going to try to set up a watch party. I think it come out on the 23rd. We come out on Saturday, yes. Yeah, so I think I'm, I'm going to try to set up a watch party. Y'all let me know if y'all into that. Like, y'all want to come to the watch party and watch it on June 3rd. But we're going to mm-hmm. talk about it next Tuesday about the book. And I think we might push our time back to 8 o'clock. 7.30 been cool. But I think we might push it back to 8. I was going to try to stick with 7.30, but we might not be able to do that. So we might push the time back to 8. And then, yeah, that's it. So we'll talk to y'all next week. Bye, y'all. Thank you for rocking with us as usual. I hope y'all enjoyed this. I hope y'all enjoyed this. Let us know. Let us know. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.